time for rolling dice and taking names. This episode is full of games the guys have played since Gen Con, with reviews featuring Terracotta Army, Catherine, and Guild of Merchant Explorers. Plus, due to high demand, the Flying Squirrels are back. Who demanded that? Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 265, Pieces of Clay. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony, and this should really be 266 as long as 264 went. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was it was two episodes of content. Yes, but thank you for all those who listened to it. Our Gen Con episode is always uh, one of our most downloaded of the year. It's just one of those really cool things that I love the format. I love uh, you and I get to sit in the same room and just chat everything about everything we saw during the day. And yes, it was two and a half hours long. But there wasn't a lot of fluff in there. It was just jam-packed full of info and everything that we saw at Gen Con. Really? Because I, I felt like while we were recording, laying there, stretched out, you know, that at any moment, one of us was going to just pass out. Yeah, I almost did a few times. But no, I, it was it's always a fun episode. I'm glad we got to do it because we hadn't done that style of episode in three years. And that was it's always a highlight for me when we do that. I'm still recovering from um, sloughing all that stuff over the old spaghetti factory. Oh, yeah. So get this. I, I believe it was uh, Mac uh, that listened to the show that reached out to us. He said, I wish I'd have known I had two cars there. I could have carried stuff over there for you. He what? He did? Yeah. Oh, mm. I, we didn't. I said, I said, thank you so much. We'll try to remember that next year if you're there, <laughs> because that, the, that was a nightmare. The, the whole cabbie story and yeah. them like, you got to pay him to load those. It was just so oh. good. Yeah. Or, or, or I don't need two cars. I needed one truck or a van. That's all I needed. Yes. So yes. Thanks to everyone who listened to that. Thanks to, um, I, I gotta say the cut you did with Danny. That oh, that was hilarious. Yeah, so Danny from Ashet Board Games recorded that for us at Gen Con, and she actually reached out to us, and she said she was dying laughing. She said that was so good, and I said, "Well, Danny, you're going to be in every t- every episode. Anytime we have to say Ashet Board Games, you're going to hear your voice. It brings oh, I don't know, class to the show." you mean actually pronouncing names correctly yes that that does uh bring up this show uh uh, quite a bit so i I do have another problem and i know you're reading the show notes and you're probably sitting there what is he talking about with why is everything saturday yes i didn't understand that comment all right so going through our list of games to play it seems like every time i mention a game marty goes well that's a saturday game we should play that on Saturday when we have more time. Well, that's definitely a Saturday game. Okay, <laughs> fine. I understand, but it's easier to get together on Thursday and not Saturdays because we got to get our lawn treatments in. We got to get our mowing done. We've got, you know, the groceries to buy, the food to cook. And you're like, well, it's a Saturday game. Well, why are we buying these games if we can't play them during Thursday night board game night? So you said the main thing. What we mean by Saturday games is typically. It's a longer game that we need to get at the table. Or or there is a game that you and I want to play. Actually, there's two games we want to play that requires, at the best, five players. And our typical Thursday game night is only uh, four players. And some of these games take up a lot of table space. But yes, typically I say a Saturday game because when I look at the time to play and it's like two and a half hours and that's without a teach, I know there's no way we'll get that in on McAllister's night. I agree. It, we're not going to, especially um, when people are showing up six, six thirty at best, 
and they're like, oh, okay, I'm Call here. Mark. <laughs> but either way, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, that's fair. I understand that. But once again, maybe when we buy these games, we need to look at it from that standpoint and say, okay, is this a set? Because if it is, we've got a backlog. We've got you know, Quartermaster General 1914. Got to get but that that's one there. of those that requires five players. I know. And that's okay. a Saturday game. Sure. I'm like, okay, so that's a problem. I've got Arc Nova that I'd like to play with four, but that's a Saturday game. Oh, 100%. Everybody says who plays that game, expect your first game to be really long. Exactly. So that's a Saturday game. Oh, here's one for just you and I, the U.S. Civil War one. Oh, that's a Saturday game. (laughs) Well, because that's just you and I getting together, playing some longer two-player games. Here's how game night works, y'all. So we have game night once a week. I typically get there around 3.30 or so. Now, if Tony doesn't have any meetings, sometimes you can get there between 4 and 4.30, and then you you and I will play a short two-player game. Yes. Then when Bert shows up, we we play what I call our PM game. Our PM. I was going to say BM game, and I was going to say BM. Like, I'm like that's that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be bad. Our PM game, which is pre mark, which is mean a short game we could probably get in 30, 45 minutes with three people, and then the AM game is after mark, which is kind of our game of the evening. Yes. I, I understand this. And just but once again, I'm looking at the stack, thinking, all right, I now have to figure out once a month when a Saturday game is and I start looking at the calendar, I'm like, I just got to get it on the calendar. I, we've got to make this happen. Now, one of those is because we want to play Crescent Moon with five players. When we played the game a few times, it's only been with four. I really want to see what the, what's the un, unused one? The, um, uh, what's the unused faction for, fa- I can't You're asking what it, me? You're the one that taught the game. Like I'm going to remember since we played Crescent Moon, we have moved on. I'm just saying. <laughs> I will. I want to go. I want to go back to it. I know and, you do, and I and would play, love to go back too. But and play that fifth faction. So hey, that's one of those things where if we get together for a quartermaster general with five people, we'll have five people there. Maybe we could try it. it yellow. It was no. Was it nomads? No. Nomads. Yes. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So I think wow. that's it. Yeah. Where did that? Nice that, job. Bravo. Mm, pulled that, that one out. out the old proverbial. You know where. Now, I will say, on one of our game nights, you didn't get to make it, uh, which was right after Gen Con. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get started, Uh warning for everyone exercising, you're getting ready to be cut short. Yeah. So here's why, y'all. The thing is, is right before Gen Con, we played some games. Then we had the Gen Con episode. Right after Gen Con, we played more games and then even more games before we recorded this episode. So we have a lot of games to cover during this show so some of these are going to be like official spots. Got a couple of five minute initiatives. We're doing a full segment, but we want to highlight some of the things that we did. And I'm going to highlight the expansion to Red Cathedral, uh, which you did not get to play. No. And the, the name of the expansion is Contractors. This game came out in 2020. If people go back and listen to our review, I loved Red Cathedral. I loved this game. It was so simple where you're trying to, you have these cards laid out where you're trying to build these temples. Mm. You have a small board with a rondelle and dice around it, and you can take one of three actions. You can pick up one of the dice and move it the number of pips around the board, and you're going to land on a resource. The number of resources you're going to get is the number of dice in there times the number of resources that it gives you. There's also like a guild card in each quadrant will let you do something special, and that's random each game. Or you can claim a cathedral piece where you put one of your banners on a cathedral building. Or you can build it where you spend so many resources. Each piece of the building takes a certain amount of resources. The whole goal is kind of area control. 
You're trying to get your built banners on as many of the cathedrals as possible. And at the end of the game, the more pieces of a cathedral building you have built, the more points you're going to get. We love the dice mechanic. We love the Rondell mechanic. It was very simple and played very quick. Does that ring any bells to you? Yeah. All right. Contractors adds a whole new board and one extra action. Oh, can I guess? Can I guess? What? Contractors. So what that means is that you've now got someone who's going to cause the project to be extended. You're going to have to grease the skids a little bit to allow the contractors to get a little bit more money. So therefore, you know, it's going to increase your capital, but you'll be able to put that in your revenue base back to the um, people who are buying the building. So then you can recoup that money. So by hiring contractors, you're basically going to increase your cost. It's not nearly as complicated as that, which is a really, really good thing. So you have this extra board, which is Moscow, plus some other cities around it. And you've got these new pieces that each player gets called contractors. Ha ha. And what, one of the extra actions now that you can do is called hiring, where you're going to take your contractor, put it on one of the cities on the board, and then there's a new resource called permits. And the number of permits you have to pay is the number of contractors in that space. And then you get what this thing is called a specialist. Now, Tony, you probably don't remember this part of the game. But as you play the game and you claim sections of a cathedral, you might get a, a cardboard piece that's put on your player boards such that when you activate that particular color of dice where you put that piece, you get an extra action. It's called a workshop. So it's like, hey, I'm going to move the yellow die. And because I move the yellow die, I get to take this extra extra action, which I claimed earlier. Contractors adds a new color die, black. And now there's a new space on your player board for a specialist, which is a one-time deal. You move the black, you get to use the specialist once, then it's gone. But The cool thing about it is it adds a whole new scoring mechanic because anytime a cathedral is completed at the beginning of the game, each of the cathedrals was assigned a random city to go along with that type of cathedral. It's the city the cathedral is going to be built in. If the cathedral is completed, you're going to take the number of banners in that building, which are used to claim the different sections of the cathedral, multiply that by the number of contractors that you have sent to that city that's just instant victory points. So it's number one, it adds a new action, adds a new way to score victory points. And people like me think, oh, no, I just like the three simple actions. I want to keep it simple. Well, here's why you might want this expansion, because it also adds 10 brand new guilds to the game. These are the special cards that go around the quadrants of the Rondell. And in the base game, you have four different guilds. One card of each guild was put in the Rondell. In this one, you would remove the clergy and select one of these other new guilds to put into play. Each one has three new cards. So now there's a lot more options in this game. Even if you don't use this extra contractor's board, there are some guilds that's made to be used without the contractors. So Tony, in my recommendation, if you like Red Cathedral, you should get this expansion if it's just for the extra guilds because it adds so much replayability. So during this whole explanation, you never said if you liked it. So mm. did you did you like it? Oh heck yeah, heck okay. yeah! Now I it does go a little longer, and the reason why is because there's a whole new action that you can take. Typically, you had one of three, now you have one of four. So people may be taking that extra action every so often. So the game does run a tad longer. The beautiful thing I liked about Red Cathedral is how fast it played. So it does add a little bit more. But again. If you just didn't want to deal with that, you could just bring in the new guilds and just add a, 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 uh, some whole new stuff to the game. So 
yes, I really like the expansion. It's one of those, if you have the base, get the expansion. I think you'll like it. This is from Devere. It's out now. It will be, in my opinion, nominated for expansion of the year for our Squirrelies. Even though I haven't played it. So you're stuffing the ballot box. No, you're right. You need to play it. I think you liked Red Cathedral, if I remember correctly. So I think you should play it. And it plays okay. fast. It really does. But this, honestly, Red Cathedral could be a PM game. I understand. Pre-mark. Uh, pre-mark. Got yes. you. Okay. See, for me, you know, when I take in any of the content about games, I kept waiting for you to get to, did you like it? I could care less about the rules. I just need to know, did you like it? And, well, and you no. told me you did. I know yeah, what you're I, saying. I'm just no, saying for I, me. I, I know, but expansions are a weird thing, right? I think expansions are, well, yeah, but what does it add? And I think the ad is this whole new action, this whole new board, and new guilds. Okay. And I like them both. It's kind of like me talking about Sagrada Glory. I'd say, you know, it's got three new levels to it. It has new dice, new boards. Yes. So, so if you like the idea of a new dice, then there you go. You may want to be get, looking at Glory for Sagrada, but we're not here to talk about glory. We are here to talk about eating. Ah, yes. Uh, you're getting ready to tell us about another PM game. Yes, I am. And this one is... <laughs> this is going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> well, it depends. An aftermark game. <laughs> so you, if, if from now on, if y'all hear us say PM, you know this is going to be a short game that we're getting ready to talk about. It also depends on how many times we have to explain what a PM and an AM game is. Does this mean I have to play it in the morning or do I have to play it at night? No, that's true. That's true. So maybe that's, confuse that's not a good thing to do. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. So anyway, the, so as I was leaving Gen Con on Sunday, dropped by a booth of Good Games Publishing. Now, this publisher did a game that I really enjoyed last year, Land versus Sea, Tile yeah. Lane. Imagine that. I mean, it's like this past weekend, matter of fact, Donna and I played Carcassonne three times. It's her favorite game of all. Good Game Publishing, I'm talking to them, and I'm going to be talking about something else uh, in an upcoming segment here. But they had a game called Too Many Cooks. And basically, what's the old adage? Too many cooks spoil the milk. Too many cooks spoil the soup. Oh. Well, if I'm wrong, you owe somebody $5. Is it too many cooks in the kitchen? Doesn't matter. if they're, You could be cooking it on a campfire if you're making soup. It don't How matter. How do you spoil soup? By adding too many ingredients, adding the wrong spices. Now you're going to make me go and look that up. Why don't no, I not, talk about it's, this? It's not spoil the milk. I know that. I was trying to make a joke. I know. But you now know. I'm thinking about it. When you think spoil, you think go bad. But the soup wouldn't go bad. No, it just doesn't taste right. It spoils it. It's, it's okay. Sp- Spoil has multiple definitions. I'm I think really dragging it does. this out, ain't I'll stop. No, you can keep going. I don't care because the explanation is real simple. It's a co-op game. Everybody is trying to make customers happy. And the way you do this is by play a card or not play a card, by taking a card, one of the soup ingredients, and either trade it like for like, like tomato for tomato, but the tomatoes have different color backgrounds. Or you may swap out different color, the same color backgrounds. For instance, the tomato red tomato background can be traded for a red carrot background or a carrot with a red background. That's a better way to say it. It just so happens a tomato is red, but the background is red. You're Unless saying. you're getting fried green tomatoes. Ah, uh, fair. Okay, thank you. So anyway, everybody has these customers in their hand that they are trying to satisfy their taste. And they're telling you, hey, this customer's soup only can have a tomato. Marty's customer may say, you know what? I only want three purple backgrounds in my soup. Not that that has anything to do with making soup. So what you mean is, is there's an area on the table where we're playing these cards, right? Right. There's a certain there, grid. Yeah. Yeah. Four by four grid. They're all laid out. And 
the, but here, here it's a co-op. Here's the trick. You cannot say what that person did to make your people taste. You got to, you got to give them a hint like, Oh, that's, that's nasty. Or not. You can't say, Oh man, don't trade that carrot for that mushroom. Can't say that. Mm-mm. You got to give why the customer doesn't like the taste. Ah, that's kind of like decorum. Decorum has the same rule where somebody uh, places or changes a piece of furnishing in the house on the board. You can go, I, I don't like that. That does not go in that room at all or something like that. So it's the same sort of hint. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't, that, that, that clashes. Right. Exactly. Go. So you do the same thing with the food. Yeah, Got that, it. That, that spoils the soup for my customer. Anyway, so we all have customers in our hand as well as we have some common customers that they would like some soup too. They're standing out in the line. Go ahead, Seinfeld. No soup for you. There, there you go. go. Thank you. But if they don't like it, so the goal is to make everybody happy. And the way you do that is by getting that four by four grids to satisfy all the taste. And you got five minutes. That's it. And if you can do that, then your restaurant gets a star. And at the end of the game, after three rounds, depending on how many stars you get, will determine how well you did. Now, we ratcheted this up. We played the easy mode. There's three mode, easy, moderate, and hard. And it's all about this four by four grid, manipulating the grid. Also on your turn, you can manipulate a row or a column by swapping a card that's at the end of the row to the front or one that's at the bottom of the column to the top of the column and slide everything down. Very light puzzle, plays up to six players. For me personally, this is one of those appetizers for game night. It's a deduction game. Yeah. It's very much, I really like the idea. I love the idea that I, whoever had the idea for the cards where you turn them face up or face down, whether your customers are happy or not. I think mm. that was just really clever. You know, we talked about Turing machine in the, uh, Gen Con episode, which was a heavy deduction game. This one is a lot lighter, way, mm -hmm. way lighter. It's definitely more along the lines of decorum, which I mentioned earlier, except I think this, this works. Decorum is really best with two players. This I think would work with a lot of different players, but that, that five minute clock's tough. Yeah. And you don't realize how quickly it's going. And I also found that in our play and when I was playing with two players with Donna, which by the way, plays very well with two players, we didn't talk that much. Hmm. It was like our, our kitchen was silent and I don't know why. And, and the thing is though, is there's three different levels of puzzles, right? You need yeah. Easy, medium and hard. And we looked at some of the, the requirements or the recipes for the hard. Holy Ooh. cow. Where you had to have things lined up beside each other and, mm -hmm. or you couldn't have a certain number of things beside each other. Jason, I mean, it was, it got insane, which is where not only the things that are on the table are important, it's how they're lined up and the grid becomes a requirement. And you're, and you're, I mean, we were doing this, we we're grabbing cards and just throwing them down, making a mess of the cards instead of trying to keep them all nice and aligned. Too many cooks, good games, publishing. If you're looking for one of those deductive games, six players, I, I enjoy it. Like I said, it's an appetizer. It's one of those light ones right before you get into the main gaming night. And I actually think Good Games Publishing won one of your games of the year one year. Which one? Didn't they make Guildmaster? I think you're right. They did. Look at that throwback. Which somebody else did not like. And I'm not going to say any of his names over at a big board gaming group podcast <laughs> video channel. <laughs> oh, okay. So... We rarely do Kickstarter previews, and there's one coming from Board and Dice that I was very interested in because it's Cthulhu, and I'll play anything Cthulhu. And this game is it's a two-player card game, which also gets my attention, 
and it's called Power Core Call of Cthulhu. So we talked to him, reached out to him, and they said, sure, we'll send you a preview copy. The Kickstarter starts on um, August 30th if you guys want to check it out. I will say this before we get going. Typically, when content creators preview a Kickstarter, they're getting paid. We are not getting paid for this preview, which means positivity you hear is 100% genuine. <laughs> there's, no, there's no money under the table to make us say whatever we, in fact, if we, I'll just say it right now, if we didn't like it, we wouldn't have covered it. But Tony, you surprised me because Why? we played this game a couple times and Bert comes in and says, what are you guys playing? And y'all, I never see Tony light up to talk about a game. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I'm buying this game. He said, this is good. I'm buying this. So why don't you tell us about it? Because it's pretty cool. Well, it's it's complicated. First off, you got to- That's sarcasm, y'all. Yes, it's very much sarcasm. It's dripping. It's coming off of it. It's so wet with sarcasm. It's moist. You got these champions. Now, generally, for me, when you're playing these type of two-player card games, beat them up games where you're trying to smash each other down like in Magic, I'm, I'm not a fan of those. I just- sure. I find they that they ramp up. They take forever to get to that ramp up. If you don't get the right cards, it's a pain in the butt. Here you have two champions for what we were playing, and their some health is what you had to get rid of on the other player. So Marty's health, let's say, was thirty. Mine was twenty-five. Marty had to hit me twenty-five times. Then we had this little battle row, and these were cards that we could play from our hand on our turn, or we could also bring in some of our allies. And these were down in the bottom. And these were allies of our champions. Avatars. Avatars. Avatar is a special type of ally. Ah, so you have so- allies in your hand, and then the avatar is a special type of ally. Yep. And then you, have, of course, have these cards that have instant abilities that come into play as well. So you just that, that's all part of it. So if you, you all play these type of games, you, you understand how the cards are. To me, Marty, it flowed. How about for you? I mean, it just seemed to be natural. Yeah, so what I really like is the flow of the game is super simple on your player turn because you can only take two actions. Mm-hmm. Draw a card, play a card. Rotate your power core. Rotate your power core. So the power core, that's what makes this game super unique. Your character cards, by the way, how, here's how the decks are built. You select two character decks and the characters go into your character area and then you shuffle the other two texts together. There's about 10 or 11 cards per character. So you're going to have a card deck of like 21 to 22 cards, and that's your draw pile. That's where your allies and your instants and stuff are. But not your avatars. Let's, yeah, let's make yeah, sure. But your avatars, yeah, your avatars are out of play. What's cool is, is when you put one of your cards into your play area, you must assign it a power core. A power core is nothing more than a square piece of cardboard with a special symbol on each of the four sides. Your characters have their own special versions of that. Then every other card that you would play, you get to put one on there. This is the cool part. At the beginning of your turn, starting with the leftmost card, you rotate your power core 90 degrees clockwise and then activate whatever symbol is on it. If it's a fist, you get to assign damage to your opponent in some way. Maybe it's his character that you're trying to get down life to zero, or maybe one of his other allies in the play to get rid of it. It could be a shield where you can add shields to your characters to help block one incoming damage that's dealt to you. It could be horror token. These are special resources in the game used for different things, for activating cards, bringing in avatars, 
or it's an X. And the X is activate a special ability that's printed on the card itself. Oh, and there's also a heal. There's you a can heal. also, there's also a, a way to heal too. And these power cores, when you attach them to a card, the card itself could have a modifier on it. It may have a plus two fist. So when you get to a side with the fist, you get the fist value of the power core on the little token plus the modifier of the card. Before we keep going here, the, the power core is the game. Yeah. Everybody has the same stack of power cores. Those are in a stack by themselves. And you flip over three that you have access to when you play a card. So you have to choose which core when you play this card goes on that card and it will, it work the best because once that card is gone or for this card that's in the play area rotates all the way around or to the red side, it finishes. It's out for that. It's gone. It's out of here. And that power cord is now discarded. But that's the game. These how to manipulate these power cores that give you these abilities to be able to beat the snot out of your opponent or use special powers. By the way, if you can't draw a card when you have to draw a card, you lose as well. So you could also, I'm sure there's some of these decks that are about milling against the other person to, mm-hmm. to draw we saw, cards. We saw that. Yep. At the beginning of your turn, go through each card, rotate the power core, activate it. You get two actions, which I mentioned earlier. One of your free actions, and I thought this is really cool, you could spend one of your horror tokens to refresh the power cores that are available to you. Because this happened to me, Tony. I had an ally I wanted to play. He had a special ability on this card that had to be activated with an X. None of my available power cores had an X on it. So I wiped them out, drew three more. One of them did have an X, and I got to put it on there to make sure his ability was created. Now, the power core starts on a green, and like you said, it'll rotate three times, get to the red, and then that card's gone. However, the power cores on the character, they never expire. They just keep rotating. There's not a a red side on it. So they never go away. And when you start the game, you can pick which side of the power core you actually want it to start on, which is a little more strategy. So turns move super fast. It's like, okay, I'm going to do damage here. I'm going to put shields here. I'm going to heal this here. I'm going to play this card, play this card, draw one card at the end of my turn, your turn. Mm -hmm. And it moves quick, 30 minutes and maybe you're done. Especially if certain combos come out, like you, you were decimating me and one of the games we were playing, I thought we'd be over in no time, but somehow I was able to res myself back. But you still you still took me out. Hey, that's the way it flows sometimes. And that's kind of like any of the other, other these card games. Maybe you get that right card that comes out and wipes the board. Set it up, play again. You're, you can play it again in another 30 minutes. Now, one thing about this game is with the champions, you can mix which champions play together. Some may be stronger. We don't know. But that is something that you can do. So we were playing with what they suggested as well as a couple of others of their uh, main starters and found them to be quite balanced mm-hmm. and found it very intriguing on some of the actions and how you could probably combine certain ones. And, and, and there's your deck building. You say, mm-hmm. say, well, where's my deck building? There it is, people. It's right freaking there. It's kind of like Smash Up, isn't it? You know, at the Smash Up beginning of the game, you take two decks and mix them together, try to get some sort of combos. I don't know if I ever played that. Ah, well, it's it's like that. And the the base game that we saw had like eight characters in it. So that's a lot of different combinations of characters that you can put together to, to make the game. Uh, it's tarot, tarot, T-A-R-O-T, size cards. The art's really nice. 
and I will say this, whoever wrote the rule book did an amazing job. And I know this is probably still an early rule book, but you know, Tony, there's sometimes when I say I read a rule and I'll read a rule book and I understand how to play the game, but have no clue how it's going to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Several of Riddle and Pinchback's games, I've said that before. It's like, (laughs) these are really simple mechanics. I just don't know how this game is going to work. This game was totally different. As I read the rules, I knew exactly how this was going to work. And it's rare for me to read a rule book and get super excited to play. But I was super excited to play, and it met every expectation. I am back in this day one because I'm hoping, please, if you're listening to us, Board and Dice, Acrylic Tokens. Get some nice upgraded acrylic tokens to throw in there for the Kickstarter. I'll be all over that. The mats they sent, that's a given. Those are nice. Yeah, those were nice. And from a Kickstarter standpoint, we don't know what's going to be in it. Nope. I have no clue. So if you put that dollar in or whatever it is to begin, you get those hopefully benefits from it. I don't know. We'll wait and see what they do. But on my side, it's one of those things where you got to have somebody that's willing, a two-player game that is willing to sit down. So, you know, our weekly um, meetups, here you go. You and I, this this could be one of our net runners. This could be one of our lunch games when we are able to do lunch along those lines. Um, so for me, it's keep bringing them. And you found out some more information. I don't know if you can disclose it about future releases. I can. So if y'all notice, it's like, why call it Cthulhu? So they got a special license to do this. But the brand or the system of the game is called Power Core. The idea is, is they would come out with more card games with different themes. So I asked them, by the way, will I be able to mix decks with different cards? I'm making this up, y'all. For example, let's say that they come out with a new uh, Power Core, My Little Pony, because we've been talking about My Little Pony. And then you can mix Cthulhu with I can't think of a character's name. One of the My Little Pony characters and make a deck. So what they want to do is make sure that future releases, you can mix all these cards together for a lot of different combos. Frisky Bottom with Shocker Roof. I don't know what you said, but I, I thought that was, uh, I don't know any of the code. Oh, oh, you was trying to say one of the uh, character names. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah, Frisky Shagatha or whatever his name is. Yeah. So that's why it's called Power Core because that is a new system that Board and Dice is going to use and hopefully come out with future sets over time. But the first one is Call of Cthulhu out uh, August 30th on Kickstarter. I will be backing. It's good. It's really good. It's rare that there's a two-player game that comes out that I get excited about and want to play. And I told Tony, I told you the next day, I said, you got to get to game day early because I want to play again. And it was just as fun the next time. Now, before we get off the excitement of this Kickstarter, there's a game that's come out that for my family, we still play a lot of it. Wait a minute, before we get off the excitement of this Kickstarter, but we're moving away from the Kickstarter. That didn't transition well. I tried to come up with a transition, but it <laughs> failed. It failed miserably. That's fine. That's fine. No, that's a good it's transition a, right there. It's only it been failed. 10 years. It's only been 10 years. Only hey, been you'll eventually get another 10 years, you'll get this down. No, I won't. Maybe Never. we can ask Sean and Alex how they do transitions on the way out before they quit. Yeah, by the way, for those of you who haven't listened, Deuce of Dice said that they're, they're, they're pulling the plug. Not on anybody, but on the show. They're, they're taking a rest. I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't mean anything. So be sure to go listen to their last episode. Send them their love. Tell them you'll miss them because I know we will. Uh, that's right. Eight years in the making. Uh, long run, guys. Really good friends. Uh, uh, best of luck to both of you. Yes. Right, so anyway, sorry. I'm, and I'm not talking my exit strategy either. Though I could contract them. 
<laughs> okay. Ticket to ride. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Ticket to ride from my family. We, like I mentioned earlier, Donna loves Carcassonne. She still enjoys playing Ticket to Ride. We don't play the big version very much because, you know, we, we ha- it's one map that they always talk about. And I forget if it's, I think it's the Switzerland map. I can't remember. There's a special two and three player map that I always bring out if we want to play this. But they released all these little Ticket to Ride games. You know, you saw these small boards, things like that, two player versions, things like that. Never really hit with me. Sure. But San Francisco, mm. that one was different. Rice-a-roni, the San Francisco treat. Which I will squirrel over to something else later. Okay. All right. So San Francisco, ticket to ride. Thing is, you got 20 trains, so half the number. And same, same principle. Same thing. You oh. get two cards, try to complete destination tickets. Most points win. Everybody knows ticket to ride. I different, do. Difference here is there's tourist sites. So oh. when you complete a route that has a tourist site, you get to put that and then there's another set collection for you because based on the number of indiv- different tourist attractions you saw, because you're on trolley cars. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Based on that, you'll get a certain amount of points at the end of the game. Once again, check your destination tickets. If you didn't complete anything, done. It plays so fast. Oh my heavens. The times we've played it, Donna's like, I still can't get over how quickly we finish this game. And I go, that's what I like. Yeah. That's good. How many does it play? Plays up to four. Okay. So I can't wait uh, for the daughter to come in and try this out because she's she's a big Ticket to Ride fan as well. And she always plays this. And because it plays so fast, one of the things I never liked about Ticket to Ride, especially playing uh, with my family, is they like to hoard the cards and then go, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, you can't do this in that game. When he, when he did boo, 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 he acted like he was playing them. That's what the boo, boo, boo means. You know, if we were ever to do our video production, see, they see, would see, see that. That next episode, we do that video cast. They could see what you just did. They yeah. could see what I could do. Just envision me going <laughs> with my fist, going boo, 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 boo. Okay. <laughs> so that's Ticket to Ride, San Francisco. If you still enjoy playing Ticket to Ride, take a shot at it. Is that even better for introducing your family members to that than the full game? I would think so because it has all the base mechanics and plays quicker. Uh, the only thing is when you bring them to the real game, they're going to be like, whoa, there's no little icons to pick up. And why is this taking an hour and a half? And, right, you'll, be, exactly. and you'll be like, and you'll be like, oh, deal with it. It's not that hard. So yes, enjoyed it. Looking forward to it. That's, that may be a PM game one time just for, to make you play it and force I'll you. i play it. I play it. Okay. It's not you had to force me to play. I like Ticket to Ride. You made the Rice Aroni San Francisco treat thing. Mm-hmm. So today, while I was driving to work, for some odd reason, I don't know why this entered. Oh yeah, now I do. Something that Chevy Dodd posted on Twitter, and then I posted Scooby Doo image. I forget why he's talking about Saturday morning cartoons. Ah, you know how you do in your car, and that's the only time because if I sing here, somebody's going to auto tune it or something like that. But the Scooby Doo theme song. Scooby Doo Doo. Where, Where are, are you? you? Mm-hmm. And then, da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, this is a challenge for Marty. What? What verse comes after that? You mean right after the da, 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 da? No, the Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? You got some work to do now. Got some work to do now. What's mm-hmm. next? Come on, Scooby Doo. We I, need you. Is it we need you? Okay. Or I ne- is it I need you? Dad gummit, Tony. Now I got to Google this. Okay. So here was the next one. 
His boy Elroy. Da, 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 da. No, Daughter. Wait, that's not how it starts. I know. Meet George, I can, meet, I, meet, meet George Jetson. Is that how that starts? Meet George Jetson. Da, 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 da. Jane, his wife. No, Jane's the last uh, one. Jane, Jane's. Oh, and that's right. Jane is the last one. And then his hey, boy, boy Elroy, Elroy. Daughter Judy. Jane, his wife, where she takes all the money out of his wallet. And then it goes Does into it, music. Do they, do they mention the robot? Rosie? Uh, no. Rosie. Man, you're good. Okay, here we go. Here you go. Ready? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? We need some help from you. So it is. We need some help from you now. Come on, Scooby-Doo. I see you pretending you got a sliver, but you're not fooling me because I can see the way you shake and shiver. Sliver. So I mean, he's probably got something in his paw and that's why. Right. He's, okay. Right. So I'm sitting there going, driving down. I'm like, okay, I have no idea all the words. And then I'm like, I'm like, okay, how does the Jetsons start? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, the Flintstones. How's that one go? You know, I'm going through all my Saturday morning car. And you should see Marty, if we were on video. Does the Flintstones have lyrics? I can't remember. Because I'm sitting there thinking, okay, because I was going to ask you this. on. Okay. okay, meet George Jetson, his boy Elroy, daughter, daughter Judy, Judy, Jane, his wife. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how that's funny to me. It's oh. funny to me because it's just, it's every time you, you just do it, you just do it for the fun of it. And then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, is there any other ones that I just, and then I'm like, what about the intro to the Bugs Bunny uh, Daffy show? Yeah, my gosh, there is lyrics to the Flintstones. There Jeez, is. Marty. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, I used to get sing these all the time. It's just been so many years. I know, and that's what I was doing. So I'm just going, so I'm going to have fun with this tonight to, to do that and hopefully earworm people. You know, meet the Flintstones. They're a modern standing age, something like that. Wow, Stone, modern Stone, Stone Age, age family, family from the uh, town, town of, of Bedrock. What's next line? This I would have known. Uh, They're a page right out of history. Once I hear it, yeah, it's right there. And then what did I just mention? Oh, the Looney Tunes had had uh, lyrics. It was the start Looney, of the... Wait, wait a minute. What? Oh, you need to... Oh, it depends on what started the Looney Tunes. You talking about when they're on the stage, like a Broadway yeah. stage? Okay, yes. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know, remember those words. Donna always says, you always have useless knowledge, but then when I need it, I couldn't pull it up. <laughs> yeah, which TV cartoon theme songs is useless knowledge. Mm -hmm. Man, there was, used to be some really good cartoon theme songs. Mm -hmm. And every exactly. cartoon show had a good, uh, I remember a Hong Kong Fooey. Hong Kong Fooey never was a super guy. Hong Kong Fooey. Look at you. Nice. Faster than the human eye. Oh, wow. And the, what was the, oh, God, what was the name of the cat? Oh, uh, the one at the beginning of the show where yeah. he had to pound it with his fist mm. so the file door would open and he could jump into it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can hear the, I can't, I can't remember the name of the, um, uh, actor who was the voice of that but i, I can uh, see oh, was him. it a was it a famous actor yes. i know he sounded like somebody yeah it was, i'm pretty sure it was a famous actor he was bald black black gentleman oh oh was it scat um yes wasn't scat man crothers that sounds right though or something like that scat man scat so scat man crothers dude good job see once again donna wow. says why is that useless information so i am pulling the gray matter the the neurons way in the back here trying to make this happen scat man crothers dude that is really good mm -hmm. 
Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins his web. Any size. Catch a thief. Just like flies. Look, Look out. out. Here comes, comes a spider Spider-Man. <laughs> now, don't get me to the verse because I won't be able to get it. Oh, In no. the something of the night. In the heat of the Is night. Is it the heat of night? I think it's the heat of the night. This oh, ain't Lord. worth $5, no, this people. Up. This ain't worth $5, people. <laughs> This, this is more fun than talking about games. Hold on. <laughs> uh, uh, in the chill of chill, the night. Chill, not the heat. That's, a, that's another show. Not, and at the scene of the crime, like a streak of light, he arrives right, just, just in time. time. Spider-Man. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, growing up watching all this stuff, you know, we always kid about, uh, I don't do our star blazers and those things. So anyway, I was just kind of, I don't know why, but that's one of those things you're driving in. And I'm like, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tease Marty about that. But nothing beats the singing like the singing we're getting ready to drop. Taste buds. Taste buds. Taste buds. Taste buds. Incredible stars. Taste buds. Two incredible stars. Taste buds. They're just a bunch of. They're just a bunch of. So hold, to be to be fair, y'all, we were supposed to taste two different flavor of pop tarts. Tony brought me one and said, "I'm not telling you what this is." And I put it in my car and I can't find it. I wouldn't taste it now after the heat we've had. <laughs> well, and, well I, I brought it in, but here's the problem. Okay, you know what the big problem with Pop-Tarts is? They don't tell you the flavor on the on the uh, foil. You have no clue what this is. No, you you don't unless you, right, you're supposed to keep them in the box. Well, I know that, but, but we've been getting so many great Pop-Tarts. In fact, the Pop-Tart that we are going to try is from Steve from Ohio. Ooh. And I gave you this, and I didn't tell you what flavor it was because I want to see if you can guess what it is. Okay. All right, so here we go. So this I'm is a- Steve from Ohio. And again, when you've got multiple flavors of Pop-Tarts, you got to make sure you don't mix the boxes. Okay, I'm smelling pastry. Oh, well, number one, there's something on it. You're going to be able to figure out what it is by looking at the frosting. Wait a minute. I think I just opened the one I gave you. Show me yours. <laughs> oh, that came out wrong. <laughs> hey. Phrasing? Phrasing? No, that's the one I got. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well... Then this is probably also the one I gave you because I know what okay, I gave you. Okay, so this works out really well. All right, so you'll probably you could probably tell by the frostings on the bear. Let's let's see if it tastes like what you think it is. I got. Here we go. Hmm. Mm, I wouldn't guess the flavor. Mm-mm. No, it's, um, o- it's overpowered by the pastry. God. Do you what? Can you tell what it is though by the picture that's on it? It's supposed to be pink lemonade. Yeah, and the frosting has a, a lemon. Half of it's pink, half of it's yellow. It, there is a citrusy taste to it, like mm-hmm. a lemony type taste. Oh, good. And that's exactly what I gave you. I picked it up at Aldi's. In fact, Steve wrote in his note, RDTM, I hope you enjoyed these Aldi exclusive pink lemonade Pop-Tarts as much as I have. Thank you for all the great content, Steve from Ohio. So Steve, thank you so much for sending these. These are good. God, these are good. I mean, I'm tasting a lot of pastry here, you know, but still. Mm. What makes pink lemonade pink? Not pink lemons? I have, I have no, no idea. idea. I have no idea. All right, y'all, let us know. What's the difference between lemonade and pink lemonade? It's got a good citrus to it. Oh, yeah, it does. 
actually, which I like, which cuts down on the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As mm. I, I digest Speak- that. Yeah. Oh, never mind. You can't watch it. Never mind. What? I was going to say, speaking of pastries, Netflix just started showing Junior Bake Off. Mm. It's really good. It's by the same people. It's different hosts and different judges, but it's really cute to watch kids do the same thing in the tent. So I have a question. Does the Netflix also do all the special ones too? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Christmas, the holiday ones? Yeah, we're we're at the end of all of our... So I finished two months ago, the Blue Bloods DVR. So mm-hmm. so we're working through Yellowstone right now, so I'm running out of yep. stuff. But I know, I, I know CBS is cranking up mid-September. There you go, man. So your shows are coming back. Um, yep, most of them. Anyway. Again, Steve, thank y'all so much. Mm. And uh, if anybody wants to send us something unique to try on Taste Buds, let us know. And in our first video show... We're going to be trying some um, hot food that was given to us. And we'll make sure to check back on that and you'll see what it is. All right. One of the big games from Gen Con was Brazil. Ooh, a lot of love going on for that game. but you Sold out, baby. It's on its way. We know it's coming. We heard from Portal that it will be here soon, so be sure to get those orders in. Go to portalgamesus.com. Check it out. Get, get, that, get that order done. Basilica. It's on the horizon. You want more information about Basilica? We talked a little bit about that. It's a two-player game. One of those tiling games. Be sure to check it out. Get those pre-orders in. You know, Ignacy, you know, hey, in a couple of months, we're going to have PortalCon happening. We'll get to hear about what's coming, what's next. And if you feel like being a detective, be sure to check out Everybody Lies. Batman, Everybody Lies. New series in their detective. One of my family's favorite from the standpoint of being able to play it quickly, solve the mysteries, feel like you are helping the greatest crime fighter of them all. Batman. Batman. See, that one doesn't have a lot of different lyrics. That's pretty much it. That one's an easy one to remember. Portal Games. US.com. It's time for Flying Squirrels. Two-minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now... We just recently brought back the flying squirrels. We missed the flying squirrels. There were comments from you that you missed the flying squirrels. And there's no better way to get a lot of topics into the show than with our flying squirrel segment. And what we're going to do is we're going to have each of us have a topic. You have two minutes to discuss it. When that two minutes is done, you're going to hear this sound. And the person will jump into the next topic. Tony, would you like to go first or should I? Uh, I went first last time. It's on you, big boy. I'm always looking for some good movies to watch. And one of my favorite movie reviewers on YouTube is Jeremy Johns. I typically like the same stuff that he likes. And over the weekend, he recommended this movie that's on Netflix that just had me really intrigued. It's called RRR. This is a movie from India. Came out earlier this year. It's been getting a lot of views, a lot of watches. Here's the whole premise. This takes place in 1920 uh, in India. There were two big revolutionary characters during that time uh, that were that were trying to help against the British Empire. Well, they never met each other. So the premise of the movie is what happens if these two historical figures met each other and were like action heroes or superheroes? And that's the whole premise. And it's one of the most amazing stories I've seen in a long time. 
even though the running time is three hours long. I thought, man, there's no way they're going to keep this up for three hours. When it was done, Vanessa said, I didn't want it to end. I don't know how in the world they told such a good story to keep you engaged for three hours, but they did. And uh, Tony Burt went and watched it. He watched the first hour and a half Sunday night, and he messaged me privately, said, this is so good. So I'm telling y'all, if you're interested in watching a really unique movie and you have Netflix, RRR, right now, it is my number one movie of the year. Easily. I mean, my number one movie before this was uh, Everything Anywhere All at Once, Everything Anywhere All, whatever the name of that movie is that came out earlier this year. That was my number one. It is now my number two. RRR. So good. Go watch the trailer. I'm serious. The, the, the action is just crazy over the top. It has heart. It has emotion. It's funny. It's good. I'm not getting Netflix. <laughs> if you got Netflix, you could watch the new season of British Bake Off. Get out of my wallet. No, but see, for a couple months, all you got to do is have Netflix for two months and then cancel it. Out of my wallet. So when Ignacy was on his way here, I had to do a little game closet cleaning. And in doing so, I was looking at some of these games. And I'm like, okay, they're not getting the love. They need the love. So I went out and I haven't done this in a while. I went over to BGG and I've listed a bunch for trade. And then I put some games together that I thought that I would enjoy. And I recently have had three very successful trades. Oh, I know. One of those was that I've never got to play, and it's recommended as a two-player game, Underwater Cities. I never played that. That's good. I played that the first year it came out at BGG. So I was like, okay, everybody says it plays very, very well with two-player. I said, well, that's a good one for me and Donna. It's something different. It's a heavier game. That's okay. We can we can manage heavier games. Okay. And then I know you have this on your shelf, but I'm getting ready to get a son-in-law who's going to become in the army. I got Memoir 44. Nice. That's good. I know. I was like, okay, so this is pretty good. Now I'm working trades trying to get the terrain pack. Even though I can buy it, mm. I'm like, if I can ship it for under $20, I'm saving myself money. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that about the trading system, though, is you know you put so many days before it gets to climb. On day three, I'm like, are they going to respond? Are they just going to tell me no? Or are they going to accept it? Or is it just going to be expired? So I've had some very good trades. I got the, the, oh, I forgot the the fall, fall, oh, what was that other one? Fall of, I can't remember. It's a GMT game. Got that one. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm putting games out there that, you know, I'm even trying to make the trade so that it's to the benefit of the other person. Because I want these things. So I've got a couple out there that I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get Terrain or Memoir 44. I'm trying to get some expansions that I don't have. All that. So, so far, positive trade. More to come. Well, why don't you give everybody your BGG name in case they might want to trade with you? Uh, it's D.A. McCree. D-A-M-C-R-E-E. There you go. You've been listening to the show for a while. You know, I'm kind of upset. Obsessed with Bucky's. The, the oh, real... God. Really? <laughs> so I've, I've spent four days with you. You are obsessed with food. I mean, we're going to Mega Moose Con. I know this is your two minutes, but we're going to Mega Moose Con. And all I'm hearing about is not what games you want to play besides Lord of the Rings. I'm here. Who's going to the front porch for food? My Come God, on, man. We're got front three weeks. Front porch is some good home cooking. We're going to have a little RDTN dinner over the front porch. Now get off my segment. Get off my segment. So where's a brand new Bucky's in Florence, South Carolina, which is about two hours from us. And so I've been hyping this up to my parents. I said, all right, y'all. I'm going to pick you up on one Saturday 
and we head into Florence, South Carolina. So as we're going along, we're telling them all about Bucky's and how it's going to be so amazing. You have all this food and everything. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I have really overbuilt this thing. So, so we get there. For those who don't know, Florence is the about halfway point, a little over halfway to Myrtle Beach. Like if you go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a major vacation spot, you go through Florence, you pass by Bucky's, everybody's stopping there. It was insane. So we go in and I'm getting a drink and stuff. And I was talking to my parents about what type of sandwich to get as far as the brisket. A woman overheard me. She came to me and she said, I just want you to know I'm from Texas. And she said, I didn't think anywhere outside of Texas could have good brisket. She said, this is the best brisket outside of Texas I ever had. She said, I took a bite and almost cried because it reminded me of home. I mean, they put it the big old slab of meat on the, the center counter and they start chopping it up, making sandwiches, wrapping them and giving them to you to sell. So good. So we left and I said, all right, y'all, did it live up to the hype? And they said, it lived up to the hype. Bucky's is pretty good. So Tony, go two hours down to Bucky's so you can experience it for yourself. If I'm going to Bucky's, I'm going on to the beach. At least that, <laughs> hey, at least that lived up, not like the chicken and waffles at Gen Con. That's fair. That's fair. So one of the tasks that I have at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, and there's not many of them, and that's what I appreciate. <laughs> at least you're being honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I've been honest for 10 years. The minute you say I'm tired, I'm saying, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I have two major, three major tasks. Um, first task is I have to create create the flash image or splash image. Then I have to do the timestamps and listen for any mistakes that somebody makes in our editing. And the third thing is I have to put the forms together for our contest or anything like that. Keep up some of the Excel spreadsheets, things like that. Nothing major. So somebody assigns me the task of, hey, for our Sonic the Two contest for the movie Blu-rays, put together a contest sheet. And I said, okay, I can do that. So I'm feeling a little frisky on my contest sheet. I'm like, okay, there it is. I'm done. I've got the link to it. Send it over to Marty so he knows that it's done. So he knows I'm not slacking on my job and I get paid for my efforts on this show. I'm still waiting on that check. Anyway, so I go back out there the other day to see how it's going. I noticed something. Every single question I wrote has been changed. Except for put your name in and put your email. I'm like, you you asked everything in the form of a question. I know. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Kind of make it. And Marty's like, first name, last name. Let what me have like, your address. What is your first name? What is your last name? What is your street address? Hey, if what you is don't your mind. city? Hey, if you what don't mind, give us your street address. What is your zip code? <laughs> I kept going on. No, on. they were not like that. They were like, hey, wouldn't you give us your, your zip? Oh, and we also need your city, please. Uh, so listen, bucko. <laughs> if you're going to go edit it just do it your freaking self i don't need to do it if you're going to edit it. it's like working with my wife donna you know what's funny <laughs> as i saw this segment in the show notes i thought this was 100 percent going to be about your poll questions on pgg <laughs> no this is about you editing my form Oh, goodness. I find I'll keep my hands out of it next time. Look, I know the Switch has been out, what, six years, something like that. I know the number one selling game of all time for the Switch is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And I've never owned a copy. But, Tony, you and I share an account of the Nintendo 
Switch expansion pack family sort of thing. Super Mega the Nintendo Switch. I, I've got my kids on it. You've got, I think you got yourself and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. It's it, by the way, it's a really cool way if you want to split the cost of this. Eight people can join this, so just everybody split the cost. They've started offering all these brand new tracks for Mario Kart. It was like every couple months, there's all these new tracks, and some of them are real nostalgic from the old school Mario Kart that we used to play. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get it because that's just too good of a deal not to be able to play these tracks and everything. But I said, I'm going to wait till it's on sale because I'm not paying 50, 60 bucks for it. And the cheapest it usually ever goes is 40. So I was pretty much expecting this not to happen until like Black Friday. Well, lo and behold, Nintendo put out a big sale that was on Amazon, Best Buy and everything where Mario Kart could be purchased for $40. So I got a copy. And you know what? On Saturday, I plugged it in. And I was having a blast just playing me some little bit Mario Kart. This is the second time I've bought it because the first time I gave it to Rebecca because Mario Kart is one of her favorite games. So I said, here, take mine. I'm not playing it. And I'm like, okay, it's on sale for $40 because the last time we were together, when she was on hers, I was like, well, we can play. Oh man, you need two copies. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I guess we do. So I bought it just in case. Hey, if she ever calls me up and says, hey, Get on, challenge me in some cart. That girl's good at that game, but I'm, I'm with you. But here's the thing, y'all. Come join our Discord channel. What we're going to start doing is every so often, you could have up to eight players online. We're going to get online and do some racing every so often. So if you have Mario Kart, come join our Discord channel. And uh, every once in a while, we're just going to hop on and uh, do some online racing together. Who knows? Maybe I'll stream it, Tony. It'd be fun to watch me just really be bad at this game. Hey, you and I, let's time this. You and I can stream this. Let's do it. All right, I already talked about Good Games Publishing earlier with uh, Too Many Cooks. But while I was there, they were talking about this game they got coming out called Drift. Now, I didn't get a lot of details, but I was enthralled by, you know, a racing game. It's a racing game. And I'm like, well, how is this going to be any different than any other racing game that's out there about finishing first, right? So it is amazingly different because I don't know if, I'm sure there's a game out there like this. But this is about, heaven forbid, and I always make fun of this, about scoring victory points. Mm. And the way you score victory points is that as you're racing your car through the track, you are having it to drift through the corners. And if your car touches the drift portion, you're scoring victory points. Now, this was a prototype, and I'm sure things will change slightly, but I just found that so unique that your car is moving, and it's not about finishing, it's about drifting through the corners. Tokyo Drift, you know that movie. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is, as you gear up your car, you're laying... Oh, what's the best thing? Uh, what was the Star Wars one with the ships and the templates? X-Wing. X-Wing. You've got these, the gear shifts are templates that you lay out in front of your car. And when you get to the end of it, that's where your car ends up. But the various templates for the gears have angles in them. So the faster you're going, the harder it is to turn your car because the angles are cut down. Basically, they got rid of the angles of being able to turn the template. Sure. So, so keep an eye out for this. I don't know if it's going to come to crowdfunding or how they're going to, if they're just going to produce it, but it's a racing game where it's not about coming in first. It's about getting victory points. And I don't know why, Marty, I found that so entertaining. Because it's different. And to be honest with you, Good Games is on a, a kind of a roll with us, it seems like. Every time we play one of their, Guildmaster, Land and Sea, we just talked about one earlier in the show. So, I mean, they just got some good games coming out. Yeah, so I'm going to keep my eye out for that. And hopefully, maybe I can sweet talk them and get one, another, hey, crowdfunding demo. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. 
Y'all, Miniature Market was busy as all get out at Gen Con. The reason why is because they were picked as the provider or seller of all these Asmodee games that were released at the show. So every day people were rushing up to buy the hot new hit from Fantasy Flight Twilight Inscription. Now, if you missed Gen Con, you weren't there for that, you know you can go pre-order all this stuff, right? All those really cool Gen Con games that are coming out, such as Twilight Inscription and many more, put them into your cart, order them. Once you get over $100 in your cart, you can go check out. Your shipping is for free. They'll get those games to you in just a couple days. And you know what? I even saw they have really, really, really good customer support because somebody I saw on Twitter, they got in a box that was damaged a little bit. And on Twitter, they responded, we're sorry that happened. Here's a phone number. Call us. We'll send you out a replacement. That's just good customer service right there. So if you want to order some games, get some good customer service and some really cheap shipping, head over to miniaturemarket.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. I love short Euro games that are easy to set up, easy to play, but have a lot of think to it. I, I, we, I've talked about these before. I know one of my first ones is Ragusa, but I, we've played so many of those over the year. At Origins, I got to play a new one that's coming out from, or is out actually, by uh, Capstone Games called Catherine the Cities of Serena, designer Johannes Schmidt-Otto-Koenig. I apologize for the, the mispronunciation there, I'm sure. And this game literally sets up in no time at all. You got a board of some cities of Russia. Each of you has some player pieces. You put a victory point marker on the board, another token that puts your level. Everybody has some city tokens. You deal out some cards and you play, Tony, and that's it. You play some cards, you get some victory points. That's it. Set up is easy. Playing's easy. Play two cards and you're done. Do the actions after you play the cards. Life is good. Yeah. But it depends on what those cards say. Depends on what you need to do. Get some well, victory it's multi, points. It's multi-action cards. And this is what's neat. There's two rows of cards that you're going to be playing. The upper row is your action row. The bottom row is your activation. Uh, on your turn, you're going to play one card to the top row, one card to the bottom face down, and you flip up and then you can resolve simultaneously. If the card in your activation row matches the color card that's above it in the action row, you simply take the action. The action could be one of several things. It could be some collecting some resource icons, which are just different colors, or it could be getting some cannons or some books, or maybe putting a city out on the board, or maybe being able to draw some cards. And Tony, this is where you're going to give me a little grief in this. There, there's this track on here that one of the things you could do with some of these cards is push your token up a track. And the track is usually, usually when you have tracks, it's good to go up the track, right? Because <laughs> this track has three different values on it. At your lowest level, it tells you your hand size, which starts out as three. How many points you get each round? There's only three rounds, and it starts out at zero. And then the multiplier, of because there's in-game scoring, how many cities do you have connected together contiguously? Take those number of cities, multiply it by this number wherever your little crown is on this track, and get some victory points. But it's also zero. So, Tony, you would think... You want to get your token up that track pretty quickly, right? You, you would think that, you, that you would need to do that because one thing about all these games is having a good hand size will allow you to be able to have choices and options when you're getting ready to play a card and activate a card. 
because I didn't mention as you go up the track, your hand size gets larger, the more cards that you mm-hmm. can have in your hand. And I said, that, oh, by the way, guys, just so you'll know, if there's ever a time that you activate an action card that tells you to draw cards, if you're already at your max hand size, you get one point for every card over your max hand size that you can't draw, right? So if I have two cards in my hand, hand size is three, and I draw two cards, I draw one card, then get a victory point. And so I like the way Bert said it. He said, oh, a nice little consolation prize. I did not explain very well. This is the fourth time I've played. I did not explain very well that that is 100% a legit way to score a lot of victory points is over the course of the game, keep your hand size small and activate all these cards that allow you to draw cards into your hands to where I was actually getting six or seven points for every card that I played. And I talked about this game actually during the Origins preview about how cool it was. And I told you guys you would rubber band at the end and you did somewhat because... Oh, crap. No, no. Number one, at the end of each round... Uh, after you play seven cards at the end of each round, what you're going to do, it has a little bit of a, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? What do you call it? Seven wonders thing where you count the number of cannons compared to the person to the left and to the person to your right. If you have more cannons than you get four points. If you tie, you get two points. You also count the number of books. Whoever has the most books on the, on the entire table gets to put a city out for free. Yay. That's good. And, uh, also, or the second place person just gets a wild token because everybody also has an in-game scoring card. Whenever you place one of your little, markers on a city you get to take a resource token and if you collect x amount based on your in-game scoring card you get some get some bonus points hey if you get five you get so many bonus points etc so you want to place cities on the board to get those tokens for in-game scoring so i had hardly any in-game scoring tony because i wasn't placing out any cities so at the end my little victory point marker sat there but you and Bert did score a lot of points because it's like, oh, one, two, three, four, five cities times five points because that's where my marker is over here. 25 points. Sweet. I also have this in-game scoring condition. I, I think it was just kind of cool. I did all my scoring during the game. You did yours at the end. Breaking it down. You like the action mechanic of this. Love it. It's fast in the setup. Play two cards. Flip. Activate. Okay. There. Well, hey, I would play it again. <laughs> you would play it again. Again. You were a little sour on it. Y'all were like, what is going on with you and drawing these cards and getting points? I should have explained how that is actually a viable way to get a lot of points early on in the game is to keep your hand size small. And and here's the thing. It depends on the cards that you get, too. Some of the cards may not have the ability to draw. So Now, some of them are straight victory points, Tony. Some of them are like discard X amount of cards to get 10 points. So some of those were cards also did that. So you had these actions on them that had additional bonus action. But the clever thing is you had to have the same color card below the one that you want to activate. And you just pick the best path to victory points as you want. And it has multiple ways of victory points. Plays in 45 minutes, uh, four players. To me, it's just it's just a solid 45-minute game. I love these types of games. And I, I personally highly recommend it. That is Katrina, the cities of Serena. How about Catherine? Yeah, Catherine too. Katrina's a hurricane. Uh, Catherine, but from Capstone Games. Five minute initiative is complete. One of the hits at Gen Con was a game from Boards and Dice called Terracotta Army. This game is unlike any other game in that in order to win, you need victory points. 
know what they ought to do? They ought to make like a racing game. I know. Where you get victory points. Yeah, somebody ought to come up with something. Somebody like should come up with that. So this is one of those boards and dice games where you are placing workers out on the board. Is it boards and dice or board and dice? It's board and dice. Board and dice. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. There's this wheel that you're going to place workers below a segment of this wheel. Mm-hmm. And you will be able to take three actions off this wheel. Mm-hmm. But first, before you uh, do that. Uh, uh, what? I'm just. Oh, you're, you're going. Uh, you can spend money to spin the wheel or uh, since you broke the deal. No, that's, that's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> so there's an inner, middle, and outer ring. You may on your turn, before you place your worker, meeple, whatever, you may spin either the inner or the middle ring to adjust it so that you get the actions you want. One space. One space. And the direction that the wheel is pointing. One goes clockwise, one goes counterclockwise. Yes, and make sure you follow the arrows. I mean, I'm, I'm drawing this out, but to be honest with you, it is. Place the maple, do the actions, mm-hmm. and that's it. Well, that's it on your turn, but the actions that you are doing, the whole focus of this game is getting resources in order to put warriors onto a group. What, what resource do you need to get? Well, there's two different ones. You can get clay. Clay is one way to build those ter- pieces of terracotta army warrior pieces to mm-hmm. put them on the board. But there's also an action to where you can go down to one of the master levels below the board. Just pay somebody to make one for you. With right. money. But with I'm not going to sit here and explain all the action. Well, no. I'm just saying... You asked me, how do I get one on the board? I just told no, no. you. I'm saying, what were the resources? It's clay or money. Yes. Yeah, clay. And, and it needs to be wet clay, by the way. Because you can't, Tony, you can't make a sculpture with some dry clay. It's got to be a little moist. Here in North Carolina, we understand about red clay. <laughs> no, wet clay, not red clay. Well, red clay, I know. But I'm just saying, we dig up red clay. I mean, it's easier to dig up our soil when it's wet than when it's dry around here. Because that is some serious clay. So a lot of it really is placing these warriors on a grid that's mm-hmm. on the board and how you place those will earn you victory points. So that's kind of the whole thing that's going on in the game. So the actions, you know, are like I said, you're collecting money, you're building these terracotta warriors, you're taking some either actions with the masters or adding a special statue that helps you gain additional victory points. After everybody has placed their workers, and there's three in a four player game. Everybody gets to place three workers. Thank you. But then you go to the scoring round and it's based on these inspectors mm. and they're looking at, okay, who did the best job of building for the, the emperor here oh, to build yeah. his terracotta army. Now, when you build one, of course you get victory points for that too. If you're the first to put down a warrior, you get more victory points than somebody safe who does it. Three times. Well, three, well there's three different types of warriors, right? Yeah. First person to put a, a archer down gets like eight points. The next person to put it down may only get seven points. It's decreasing values as they're played out into the board. So the warriors, the archers, the uh, spearmen, and the oh, Here's the, the halberd, halberd guys. Halberd. Yeah. yeah. You, you got those. They're going out there. But the inspectors are going to tell you how you're going to score victory points. And... Depending on the round, what round you're in, you have special scoring that can go on, and that's random at the start setup of the game. Now, we could spend the next Gen Con length episode trying to explain scoring here. Who? I mean, so it's it's funny, Tony. The in between round scoring is actually pretty simple. 
So these inspectors we're talking about, one is at one row, one is at a column. If you have people in the row where the inspector is, you're going to get points. Mm -hmm. Whoever has the most in that row, I believe it's called dominance. Dominance. Get some bonus points. That's it. So basically, wherever the inspector is at the end of the round, try to have one of your terracotta armies out there. By the way, when you put out one of the warriors, there's these colored bases that you attach to it so you know whose piece is on the board. So that's how you evaluate that. That's really simple. The little token that scores each round, very simple. It's random. You can look in the book to see how to score them. And that's important because you kind of want to plan out, look ahead because the game plays over five rounds. So there's going to be a scoring every round. So look ahead and see, oh, I see by round three, it's going to be the person who has the most archers on the board. So maybe you want to focus on getting archers on the board to try to score that way. But yes, Tony, the mid-round scoring, I think, is simple. Oh, yeah. It's the end of the game scoring that was like, what is going on? When I came to game night, I printed this out and said, guys, go for it. Read and understand because when you're doing this, you're looking at an in-game scoring of where it says, okay, first off, there's this special footman. And he's going to give you some victory points, some dominance. If he's dominant, he's going to give you eight. If it's, if you got presence, you get two. Okay, that one's pretty simple. And then we're going to remove warriors in a group that uh, that's a single. If they're by themselves, how are they going? They they got to they got to have a buddy. <laughs> they got to have a buddy. Put it, yeah. <laughs> they got to have a buddy. So so then we're going to look at this group, and then we're going to look at okay, this group is worth. Victory points equal to the number of different players having at least one warrior. And I said I wasn't going to explain it, but I'm am. Why not? What else am I going to do tonight? You're just reading out of the rule book at this point. I, freaking A. That's right. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's but see, that's not all though, Tony. That's no. the thing. It's like if you think, okay, there's a group. All right. Number of warriors, number of different players has warriors in there. And take my number of pieces I have times that number. Okay, I got it. But that's not the only thing you do. It's not? No, because then you look in the group who has dominance, dominance of that in that particular group, and that gets to score again. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the special figures. You have the kneeling archer, the footman, the musician, and the horse. They count as certain things during presence and dominance, and the archer breaks ties, and the, and the footman, and I already talked about him, uh, what he does, the musician does scoring at the end of the round based on row and columns and the horse. He just takes up a lot of spots because he's a horse. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk about what we liked. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do. All right. So for, for me, it's the simplicity of the wheel. Mm-hmm. Understanding. I don't have a lot of actions. The AP is going to come in when I need to place the clay figure, the terracotta warrior that I built, that's going to give me AP. So I like the speed of the, of doing the actions in the wheel. It slows down when I have to place something. Right. Right. And not every time that you take an action, will you be placing something? Sometimes you just may want to take actions that uh, may just give you some resources, uh, may give you some clay, uh, activate one of the masters down below. Uh, We didn't talk about this, Tony, at the end of every round, all your clay goes dry and any clay that you have have has to be re-wet in order to be able to build a terracotta warrior. 
there's actually an action on the wheel that says, okay, take all your dry clay tiles and turn them over back to the wet side. Mm-hmm. That's really kind of the all of the, well, there's also you can take first player. There's an option doing that. Well, I'm saying not every time that you take an action with your worker, will you be placing an army piece? This is true. And that moves. When you don't do that, you're right. It's very quick. With that in mind, you have to be planning because if you don't have other options, because there's other options that will help you keep at least a clay wet if you've gone to visit this master. But you've got to be planning and thinking ahead, like, how am I going to get that clay wet? Because the key to the game is getting those warriors on the, in the grid to, to get them in the mausoleum. You yep. got to do that. And you got to think through at least two to, to me. You, I was thinking at least two moves ahead and I messed myself up because I ran out of money. Why yep. is money important? Because certain things require you money in order to add them to the board. Right. And I think that was the specialist, right? You had to pay it. And as more of those came on the board, the more expensive right. they got to put out. And the specialists are the footman, the archers, the horse, and the um, musician. Yeah. So, yes, you, you've you got to be balancing that. And it's tight. It's a very tight action that you're doing. And we didn't mention that uh, only one person can go to each sector of the board unless you've upgraded one of your workers and they're the bigger meeple. And uh, so there's two spots on each sector, one for a small meeple and one for a large meeple. So at the very beginning of the game, you can block somebody by going somewhere and it's like, and you go, dang it, I want to go there. So you do have the option to pay two and spend the wheel. So in typical worker placement fashion, you can get blocked out of going to certain sections. That's okay. You can still if break the deal, spin the wheel. You got two, spin it. You're right. So what else did you like about this? So again, my favorite thing is just the action, action selection wheel. I think that's very clever. It's kind of a mixture of a rondelle worker placement. Uh, Four-player games only got three workers. The actions are easy to follow. Uh, I really like that. I really like the mid-game scoring. I like how simple the actually end-of-the-round scoring is. I like the variability of the in-game scoring conditions because those are just random tokens put out every single game. So that'll make every game feel a little bit different. I think the thing to me was, is that in-game scoring, uh, it's kind of a brain burner. You got to see it work once at least to grasp what's going on. And then you'll be ready for it next time. But Tony, I think that's hard to plan, man. I think it's hard to make sure that you're in a group and you want to make sure Oh, if I go in this group, I'm giving this somebody extra points because I'm an additional player that's in here. They're just going to make more points off me, et cetera. There's a lot going on. And I think it's one of those things where you and I need, when we get a chance to play this again, is we would get better with the scoring. To me, I like the speed of the game, the flow of the game. I never felt, even though the resources were tight, that I didn't have an action. However, when it came to that in-game scoring, it kind of, because of how complex it was, after the first play, it kind of left me like, ah, I'm not really sure right now. So I need to get it to the table again and see if the placement, I understand the placement better. I didn't do certain actions like move the inspector along, which you can do. How do I mess somebody up? Cause that's part of one of these games is trying to maximize your points and plan ahead so that others don't have that advantage. It plays in about two hours, which is probably about right. Once you, once you know the flow of the game, Uh, I think five rounds is a good length. I don't feel like it overstayed its time on the table because 
it takes a long time to kind of get your resources going to get to do what you need to do in order to score those in-game victory points. So for me, it stayed on the table the right amount of time. And that is Terracotta Warrior from Board It's not Dice. even close no, to Terracotta, Terracotta Warrior. Ter- Terracotta. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what I get for having the rules pulled up. And I saw it, you know, I saw Warrior. So that, that boom, right there. So Terracotta you, Army. If, I would say, Tony, would you say this is like a midweight Euro? It's uh, middleweight. It's, it's not, it's, it's not mid-weight. super heavy. It's not heavy at all. It, yeah. It's not heavy at all. I, but the, there's a lot of planning though near the placement. Okay. So how about this? It's a, it's a midweight game, but you do have to do a lot of planning over the course of the game. Yeah. And if you don't, you could really screw yourself up in those later rounds and mid round scoring. If you didn't look ahead and prep for that. Yes. It's easy on actions. Planning is tough. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So easy, tough equals yeah. Medium. I'm good with that. That works for me. <laughs> so once again, terracotta army from board and dice. A lot of people who are playing D&D are super excited about the new Spelljammer book that just came out from Wizards. And if you're interested in Spelljammer, then head over to Ultra Pro, where they have this whole collection of dice and play mats and books and binders based around Spelljammer Adventures in Space. So you can really bling out your gameplay as you sit down and play these brand new adventures. While you're there, also check out the other Dungeons and Dragons paraphernalia and they got pads for for gms to use for writing notes and everything like that plus tons of dice so not only do they make card sleeves they make some really cool products for gms and rpg players alike to find out more head over to ultrapro.com five minute initiative begins in three two one. So I was very excited to get to the table for you to try out the Guild of Merchant Explorers from AEG from designers Matthew Dunstan and Brett J. Gilberts. Because even though you're not writing anything, to me, this feels like a roll and write style of game. Each of you has a map. Uh, you're going to flip over a card, kind of like a welcome to, and everybody is going to take an action based on that card. That card is basically going to be to put out some of your villagers onto your map There's different terrains on this map and the card will tell you, okay, you can put a villager in this terrain or this terrain. And your goal is to try to make adjacent villagers to connect to other cities or fill out regions. Uh, Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was playing with explorers. No wonder I played so well. You were playing with villagers. (laughs) My bad. Villagers. I mean, it says it right there, explorers. Uh, So yeah, so there's different color regions on the board. Once you fill up a region, you can place a village. Why is that important? There's only four errors in this game. And after each error, you pull up all your villagers off the board. They're explorers. Explorers. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) And after you pull up your explorers to start the next round, you can only put an explorer to start the next round at your capital or an existing village. So if you want to expand out the map, you need to make sure to get some villages out there. I mean, to me, it feels like a roll and write style game. Yeah, it does. Uh, flipping right, whatever you want to call it, I agree with you. So your your planning is you know what's coming. You well, you you sort of know. Ah, you know, you know, you know five of the cards. You don't know what order they're coming, right. but it's the same five cards every time, except for what I like this too. 
when the error card comes up, like error card one, each of you gets two cards and that's a special action that you only can get to use on your turn and in future turns, which is kind of cool. And the base game is everybody has the same map. Future, the maps are different. Yeah. So where is the diversity in that very first game is how people end up doing their exploring and how they establish their villages, where they start from beginning. And so wait a minute, explorers go out and make villages, but they're still explorers later on. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. I think that, but they're also merchants. They're merchant explorers. Well, that's true because they're trying to connect cities together because your board has cities and that's really good because if you can connect two cities, they each have point values and you can multiply the point values together to get you some extra victory points. There's also treasure tokens that can get you some points. There's places on the board that can give you some extra resources that can be used. Resources or money is basically victory points. It's all Mm -hmm. about the money. The money equals victory points. So there's different spots on the board where you strategically try to go to, to activate or flip over certain tokens. But again, you really need to make sure that you spread out as far as possible to get those villages established so that the next round you can continue from that existing village. But how do you get a village? You've got to complete an area with explorers. A colored area. A yeah. colored so, area. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. then you have special objectives that you need to meet. First people mm-hmm. to get that will get additional victory points. And like, uh, oh, look, I built three villages in three green areas. Teaching this game. Pretty darn simple. Yeah. You know, really the only rules you have to keep up with is what's the rules of placing an explorer. It must be adjacent to an existing explorer or a capital or village Yeah. period. And follow the rule of the card. Hey, this card shows the tiles overlapping. Does that mean they have to be, I have to place three explorers side by side. No, they just three that you're putting out have to be adjacent to existing explorers. Oh, look, these tiles are connected. They have a border between them. What does that mean? You got to put those out simultaneously back to back. Mm -hmm. Very simple cards to explain. This game is ripe for expansions. Well, number one, it has a lot of maps in it. That's what's cool too. There's a bunch of different map boards in there. So the game's going to be different every time. It is a solitaire game, right? You're not interacting with anybody at all. It's literally when the game is over, you look up and say, okay, who won? (laughs) Because you can't mess with anybody else. Because if you're not paying attention, and this is as you're teaching people, you'll be like, okay, all right, make sure everybody's placing them in the right order. So that's one thing you got to keep in, keep in mind. But yes, as you're doing it, you're absolutely right. I can't worry about where Marty is putting his explorers. I need to be concentrating on my objectives and which ones I'm trying to achieve to get the victory points. Simple, fast, quick game. Once you learn it, I mean, you can get this thing done. What's the time frame on this? 45 probably. minutes. Easy. Shoot, easy. Yeah. Maybe you could probably get this done in 30 minutes. Literally, if you like the concept of rolling rights, where everybody's kind of doing their own thing, but you don't need a pencil, <laughs> so uh, which is nice, uh, with the variable maps and everything. This is a fun game. This is a good little filler, 45-minute filler game. Like I said, very easy to learn. I, I think it's really clever of how your explorers come off the map between each round, basically, and then you reestablish. So you need to think, plan ahead. If I want to get to that corner of the map, then I need to start working and dropping villages along the way so that in a future round, I can start from that village. So that is the Guild of Merchant Explorers, not the Guild of Merchant Villagers from AEG. Five-minute initiative is complete. August 28th, 2022, 
is the 10th anniversary of Guild Wars 2. I will be playing on that day to honor that day because on August 28th of 2012, I was sitting at my computer playing the release of Guild Wars 2 and having a blast. And it's still an amazing game to this day. So do you also remember something else? On August 28th Mm -hmm. of 2012? Yeah. Let's see how good your memory is. Obviously not too good because I don't remember cartoon lyrics very well. Well, All right. So on August 28th, you know, you and I were jonesing for it. Guild Wars 2 came out. We wanted to be the first on the servers. We set up with, I forget the name of the group we were part of, the guild we were part of. So we both took vacation. We took day off. Yep. And what is the one thing you said to me while we were playing? Do you remember this? I do. Because it is true to this day. Hey, where are we going to meet for lunch? <laughs> and we did. We went to Moe's. You remember going to Moe's? That's crazy. Because it left. I got, we're here playing this game and suddenly, hey, you want to go to lunch? What? What? The, what? I'm playing a game. <laughs> And it's true to this day. Oh, I'll try, I try. I got the special edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the, the little char old, figure, yeah, with the big old char figure and everything like that. And uh, I don't know, man. Just a lot of great. Shoot, we started playing this the year that we started this podcast ten years ago. Man, so I exited that game before this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why you stopped playing, but yeah, you did. Uh, and well, what's cool is I kind of reintroduced it to a lot of people in our discord channel and we were playing a lot at the beginning of the year and people were saying, we still need to get together and, and, and play some more because a big expansion came out this year. They've already announced new expansions is going to be coming out in years. But what's also important too, is on August 23rd, Guild Wars 2 is now available on Steam. Typically you have to download it from their site and play it, but now it's available on Steam. And here's the, the thing. If y'all understand in Guild Wars 2, the whole base game is available to you for free on Steam. Mm-hmm. You can get and level up a character from 1 to 80 and basically play the entire game. The only thing that you'd ever have to buy is if you want to get the expansions. So where do they make their money? It's in those beautiful microtransactions. And the expansions, yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, the expansions are a one-time hit. Yeah, I, I will say the the microtransactions aren't microtransactions microtransactions to win the game. No. They're cosmetic or they're what I spent some money on was getting more bag inventory so I can carry more stuff and increasing my bank space so I can hold more stuff. Mm-hmm. That's where I spent most of my money on that. So one of the things about Guild Wars was you always had that active community, the bank, the merchants to being able to go out and like if I crafted a bunch of leather bags now, one of the things about these games that always concern me coming back after all these years, and you can speak to this because I don't know, so I'm asking, is is there still an active crafting community? Oh yeah. Okay. Because I need a twenty I need a twenty level bag for my new character that I created. Oh, easily. In fact, they're they're dirt cheap now. Okay. I say I need to go out and buy those. I gotta clear the inventory. It's kinda like when I load up Guild Wars one and I have all these little miniature figures. You know, yeah. the little pets. Little pets. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, man, I don't know why I stopped playing more, I guess, because I got old. I don't know. I enjoy the game. How about this? Crank it up on Sunday with me and we'll just pal around and go do some stuff and then go meet at Moe's. I'm not meeting. No, no, 
No. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I'll have to see what's on the schedule. That could happen. We could do yeah. this. That'd be fun. And again, if you're interested, uh, come join our Discord channel. Do a lot of really cool stuff there. One of those is play Guild Wars 2. Talked about playing Mario Kart. And if you're interested in Guild Wars 2, to me, I think it's one of the best MMOs of all time. It's free to play. Basically, there's no monthly fee, which is always a big deal to me. The community's still amazing out there. I think the combat's really cool. It's a deep game. You could get into it as much as you want to. I just think it's really cool that even after 10 years, it's still this strong. And I read the article today that said... Over 16 million accounts or people have played this game over the past 10 years, which is nice. I enjoy it. I don't understand some of the things. There's Shoot, at the starting area for my new character, I don't know how to get to the the jumping of the puzzle to get to the big scenic view. I haven't figured that one out yet. The vista. The vista. I, yep. I used to have images of all the vistas I had visited on a yep. on the computer, and that's long been gone. Because back then, when this thing ten years ago, that was stunning. Their artwork was stunning for a game. Yeah, yeah, still is. It, even though it still it's, is, I enjoy it. So okay, this Sunday we schedule some time. Send me a meeting notice. Nice. Was there anything else I needed to talk to you or irritate you about? I can't really think of anything. You know. I, oh, the other thing I was thinking in the car was um, the stinger for the, today's show. So we got. Uh, hopefully, you have one. I do actually. I kind of, sort of, maybe do. Well, then make y'all make sure to stay around another thirty or so. Can seconds you believe someone? Hear. Yeah, someone actually listened to our stinger, the Scandinavian I, thing. You, you know what? Here, here's the thing. Um, that's a poll. I'm curious how many people know and listen to the stinger of this show. Because and who knows what a episode. stinger is besides something on the end of a, a bee's butt? <laughs> so maybe that could be a poll sometime. Yeah, well, I got to get one out there. I have a new one based on a recent thing I saw. I am going to be polling what is real mayonnaise, and I'm going to list the four major brands of mayonnaise. Uh, Dukes and Hellman's. Sure, that, but you only get to select one. Well, here's the thing. I, you are going to put, uh, what's the crap that's not mayonnaise? Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip. Put Miracle Whip on there. For anybody that selects Miracle Whip, you'll be admonished. Well, you're admonished for putting biscuits in a can or keep rolling dice and taking names. Hey y'all. Thanks for listening. And don't forget our next episode is a very special episode. It's our first video podcast episode, which is just one topic over 30 minutes. It's going to be released on our regular audio channels, but also on our YouTube channel, uncut, unedited, no clue how this is going to go but you're going to want to check back for sure. Along with cartoon themes, Marty, here it is. This is it. The night of nights. No more rehearsing and nursing apart. We know every part by heart. On with the show. This is it. (laughs) 